For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. This is Jamie from Progressive. Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees score their most runs of the season in a game where I actively denied tickets. What does that mean? It means a lot. Shohei Otani brought his personal road show to the Bronx as three homers in two games. Would Yankee fans have had the patience for him if we'd signed him? I have my doubts. And a Yankees offseason plan that would have made this team legit good, not just kind of good. And every day when you check the box score, it gets more and more frustrating. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll answer that question right up. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. 1-1 apiece in the first two games of the Angels series. Shohei Otani take them out on Wednesday night. That first loss, right back to garbage, and that second win, you know, you know, they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to do it every once in a while, and now they've done it, what, twice? They've scored double-digit runs twice this year? Ten runs against the Tigers at the end of April this yesterday. This was the most run. Yeah, yeah, this was the most runs of the season. Hey, uh, at least somewhat good that they scored eight against the Royals last week and then did this this week. Uh, I don't uh, you're not going to fool me at this point. I'm not looking into any trends. The Yankees will be back when they're 15 games over 500. That's the new benchmark I've set because I'm sick of winning a series and then thinking that everything's everything's turned around and they've righted the ship and then they get swept by the Red Sox and look dead as ever. And then, you know, need need to claw uh, scratch and claw wins over over the Royals to 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 make it look like you know what whatever whatever it is they're just not they're not winning as they should they don't have to be winning like this every night but they need to be winning like this every once in a while and look, no every night <laughs> every night every night eleven to one um, but the thing that bothered me most about this entire I don't want to focus on the loss but we weren't here to talk about the loss the loss was five three on Monday and it was your classic Yankees loss that we drawn up. 38 times this year Um, and before the game Aaron Boone for the first time for the first time all year for the first actually for the first time since I can remember because did he even really do this last year he called out the team the season's on the line this play is unacceptable we are too good to be going through these roller coasters we are running out of time we are we cannot keep doing this our division is much better than we had anticipated if we keep falling behind and digging the hole we're going to be in very big trouble our season is on the line how do they respond Another bad offensive performance, six hits, 
three runs. There were two errors. I don't know how DJ wasn't charged with another error with that, with that bad throw or with whatever happened at second base Two defensive miscues that cost the Yankees runs. Um, Awful at bats with runners in scoring position. Once again, Oh, for four, uh, they hardly got any base orders. They only left three runners on base. Um, Michael King bad. Once again, gives up runs in the first inning for some odd reason is pitching to Shohei Otani on a three, two count and giving him an <laughs> 80 mile an hour hanging curveball that he deposits into the back end of the bleachers. So, uh, and the bullpen doesn't do its job. Litke comes in, gives up a run. Chad green comes in, gives up a run. Um, Miguel, uh, was no Miguel Andujar's bad defense was last night, uh, but just all around, not great to come out after your manager says that. And that would, you would like to think that would light a fire under somebody because you don't typically hear that type of uh, that, that I guess those types of words or, or any type of motivation or signaling of an alarm from Aaron Boone. And they come out and they do that. It was just a sad loss. It was, like I said, the losses that we've drawn up all year. I'm happy they came back and racked up 11 runs. But guess what? Last yesterday, Miguel Andujar made two really bad plays that cost the Yankees runs in left field. Uh, and if not for uh, a stupid base running error by um, by uh, Taylor, by Ward. Yeah, Taylor Ward, like yeah. I'm not saying the game's completely different, but that's runners on first and third uh, w- with two outs and one swing of the bat makes it 10, makes it 10 to eight. Um, and Jameson Tyone, once again, not good. Can't get can't get through the sixth. gives up five run runs, strikes out four, just doesn't look great. And Shohei Otani, it's two home runs off them. So. Um, I understand Otani is seeing a beach ball right now and he's kind of uh, you kind of can't pitch to him, um, but that should either mean a don't pitch to him um, or b figure out a way to attack other guys in the lineup. Uh, but also even the guys in the bottom of the Angels lineup were, were getting hits and hitting home runs off of us. So once again, not out of the woods, very glad the, this is these are the games that you want because the offense shields or masks all the other deficiencies. It masks the poor pitching. It masks the bad defense. We need more of these to kind of take the pressure off because when you lose three to one or five to two, everything else is magnified, including the offense, because the offense obviously didn't get the job done. So not out of the woods yet. I like a win. Um, I think they need to go eight and three over these next 11 before the break in order to kind of uh, uh, go into the all-star break with, uh, with a little bit of breathing room and to give Brian Cashman a little bit more of an assessment of what he's going to do at the trade deadline, which is a couple weeks after. It's not impossible. They go to Houston. I mean, the schedule's not easy, but the Orioles are in Houston right now, pummeling the Astros. Um, I don't know what happened to the Astros' famous offensive teamwork, but it appears to be dissolving at the at the feet of the uh, Baltimore Orioles bullpen. Otani is hilarious. I, I don't like. I, so it's, good. It's, it's it's Barry Bondsian, and like that ball he hit off Michael King. It was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? Like three two. I don't know. Somebody's got to let all pitchers know. 3-2 low and in breaking ball to Never. a lefty at Yankee Stadium. Uh, we, we don't need to do that anymore, actually, because all you have to do is like pop it up and it's gone. Otani is better than most, so he uh, hit it, you know, 112 mile an hour exit velocity or whatever. He's 26. He's like the best hitter I've ever seen, and he pitches on, you know, Wednesday night. That'll be great. Um, I'll be working the game. I will not be there. I, I didn't want to go in the 95-degree heat yesterday. I, I've been a... a a pissy baby fan so far this year, I will admit. I'll readily admit I have not enjoyed the experience. I was at the point on Monday night where I was saying, you know, to my fiance, who is like, shut your mouth. Like, if the Yankees go on a run and like win the World Series, 
and end up like a legendary comeback story in Major League Baseball. I'm just I'm just going to be mad that they did this test for three months anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, sure. oh, my God, what a joy. Uh, what an amazing run. And even if they like win the pennant, lose the World Series, I'm going to be like, what the fuck was April, May and June? You morons. <laughs> what was every day? A new form of pain. You couldn't have done this one bad month. Fine. Three of these. Come on. Um, I guess it's only two bad months, but they're 41 and 38. Uh, not, not a good record, not a good record in major league baseball. You want to have more wins than that. Jamison Tayo, not, not good. Um, most of the time, pretty bad, but he is a quintessential example of the kind of guy you can survive with in your fifth starter spot. As long as your team is good yeah. and you're winning games, um, a quintessential dude who is going to be maybe on the playoff roster. If so, we'll throw two innings in the middle of a loss or blowout win. And that's okay. You know what? It's like, who would you rather take him or Nestor Cortez Jr. At this point, Nestor, who is somehow our most interesting and best pitcher. Um, yes. Shout out. He's throwing like 93 uh, and the ump shutting him down in the middle of that at bat yesterday in the middle of the Otani at bat, just being like, what you're doing is insane. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> we have to take a time. I will not sit through this anymore. This is it's 98 degrees outside. <laughs> it was so hot. The pitcher in the opener puked like you can't be kicking the, the rubber over and over again and not kicking and firing. Uh, but he rules Tyone like it is total. They're winning the Tyone starts at a rate where like it's higher than the Cole starts almost, if not actually higher, like the Tyone beat the White Sox. Tyone beat the Royals last week. Tyone beat the Angels. I mean, you can totally they beat the survive. Nats too. Yeah, he beat the Nats. You can survive with him as your fifth starter, even doing what he's currently doing. Low fives ERA. It's like it's not good. He's been mostly not good. But there are certainly excuses. We're not going to use them at this point in the season. It's the end of June. But Tyone should be someone who is allowed a long leash. And you know what? Getting this number of wins from Tyone in his first three months back in baseball, it's not the worst thing that ever happened. He has not been good. Garrett Richards is a quintessential example of this. Every time he pitches for the Red Sox now, it's very funny. He is learning how to pitch again on the fly without sticky stuff, which J.D. Martinez, by the way, said no one on the Red Sox uses. Mm -hmm. And then Garrett Richards is like, I literally have to learn how to re-pitch. What is pitching? I don't know how to throw any of my balls. He is very funny. But when the time comes for the playoffs, guess who's not going to be pitching for the Red Sox? You're not going to see any Garrett Richards. A you good team can live with these people. The Yankees won the 2009 World Series with Sergio Mitre and Chad Godin in the back of the rotation. And it was like, you know, if you're a hater, you could be like, your, your four and five starters suck and cut to the playoffs and you they don't pitch. And then you're like, um, I, yeah, I was grasping at straws. Um, Tyone's not good, but if the team is good, it's fine. You can live with that. And they're winning the Tyone games. Michael King, I don't know if you can live with as a starting pitcher right now. No. Especially because the solution is, is fucking screaming from the rooftops. He is bad in the first inning. He is good in innings two, three, and four. Nestor Cortez, open the game. Do it. Two innings of Nestor, three or four innings of Michael King. Or anyone else open the game. Nick Nelson throw an inning. Although I guess when they made him an opener, he panicked and his body fried apart and he lost to the Rays and the Yankees threw the ball all over the infield. But uh, traditionally, the Yankees use openers. They did it. They copy the Rays in every way. They, they can't copy the Rays in this one. And then Michael King in his postgame press conference, which you uh, I know you loved, was like, yeah, I'm trying to get cute that first time through the order and mess around. So, you know, not show the guys my best stuff, trying to set them up for the third time through the order. You don't sniff the third time through the order, dude. And your best outing of the year was attacking every hitter. It was that bullpen game when you came in uh, against the Blue Jays. Yeah. It just went boom, bang, zip, zip, like six one hit shutout innings or whatever. 
attack people. It's actually fun to attack people. My jaw was on the floor when he said that because he's made it beyond four, four and two thirds innings once in his six starts. I know six starts is not defining anybody. You're, uh, I, I'm the first guy to to give people some uh, some leeway and and a bigger sample size because you simply need more of that. Look at what 2020 has done. 2020 made us think Adam Adovino sucked, and now he's having a good year with the Red Sox. So you need to give guys time, but there's been zero progress on Michael King's end. I like Michael. I like his stuff. He's certainly a nice guy, but you're telling the media that after your start, and it's like, dude, the problem with you this entire year as a starter filling in after the after your team had had issues with the depth in the starting rotation is giving up runs in the first inning. You've given up 10 runs in the first inning through your six starts that puts the Yankees in a hole in the way the offense is performing. That's not a conducive outing for, for anybody, not for you either. So to say that, and it's, is it fully his fault? No, look, Michael King has been jerked around between the bullpen, the rotation. He's been sent back and forth triple a. So he hasn't had the most ideal of seasons, but now he has the most consistent stretch on the major league roster entrenched in a job for the last, however many weeks. And now he's telling us he's trying to finesse the first three to five batters of the game because he wants to set them up for the second, third time through the order. And that's very much the issue. I don't know how the Yankees coaching staff didn't say, hey, man, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know how they haven't noticed the difference between the first inning and then innings three, uh, two through four because he's clearly a different pitcher. And the fact that he's giving up runs early would mean that something something's happening. And he admitted what's happening. He's trying to set guys up for the second time through the order. And he, like you said, not even sniffing the third time getting through two. And then he get, they start to get to the top and he's out of the game. So, and this hasn't come against all good offenses. Let's not, he's given up runs in the first inning against the Royals, the Tigers and the twins. So this is, and both of them, all of them were two runs, I believe. So, this is not just, you know, him getting blistered by the Red Sox or Shohei Otani taking him deep. This is a trend that's happened with all different types of offenses and all different types of teams. So I, I could not even believe that. And to me, that means either he needs to be out of the rotation or the coaching staff needs to more heavily monitor and, and guide his outings uh, because he's clearly not capable of doing it. So himself, if that's the manner and if they're giving them the autonomy to do that, which which I just can't believe. Um and uh, like we said, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge was talking about it last night. This is a completely different team when they strike first. Gary Sanchez, God bless the guy, man, for all the shit that we've mm-hmm. talked on him. He deserves every bit of uh, every bit of praise coming his way. Got the Yankees started last night with a with a solo shot. Um, oppo shot. Beautiful. Right after uh, Andrew Heaney threw seven pitches and got uh, DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge out. So you're looking at the game being like, great, it's going to be another one of those. We're going to let the starter have, you know, 55 pitches through five innings and then it's going to be a disaster. Nope. Gary takes him deep, gets the tone started. And Aaron Judge said after the game, we are a completely different team when we strike first and we can attack. Obviously, we can play from behind. We've done that before, but you can't be doing that every night. It puts too much pressure on guys. That could be part of the problem for this year. Why guys are crapping their pants when there are runners in scoring position because they're doing it. for. I mean, you would think at this point they may have gotten used to it because they've been doing it so often. But admittedly, it's hard to deal with that pressure on top of the pressure of playing with New York on top of the pressure of trying to keep your job for a number of these other guys. But one note on Gary, it's crazy how we've seen this shift from him. Uh, because he's the only Yankees player who's been disciplined for his poor play. Have have you even have you noticed that? No yeah. other and we can't call Clint Frazier someone who's been disciplined because he's he won the starting job in March and held on to it for two weeks. So he was never entrenched as a starter. Gary Sanchez was at one point 
potentially the undisputed best hitting catcher in the league, a two-time all-star, and he got benched. Nobody else. Gleyber Torres has not gotten benched. Clint Frazier has not gotten fully benched or optioned. Uh, Jamison Tyone is still in the rotation. Uh, who, who uh, we go, we go through the list of, of uh, Rugnet Odor has been moved up in the lineup for getting one clutch hit. So it's like Gary Sanchez, maybe this should be a lesson for Yankees management say, Oh, we kind of disciplined one guy and he kind of got his bearings back. And now he's back to being one of the best hitting catchers in the league again. So maybe we should try that with some other players. I don't know. I, that, that's my big takeaway from Gary aside. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with his mentality and how he's able to kind of been able to remain strong and glad the fan base is supporting him now because it's been a long road for him. Yeah, people got really mad at Mike OK for saying the same thing yesterday. But you know what? I mean, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't like saying Glaber Torres needs to be benched after he doesn't hustle out a ground ball in the middle of April. Stupid take saying maybe we give Glaber Torres two or three days off or, and maybe even phantom DL him, yeah. IL him and call up uh, Hoy Jun Park. It's interesting. That's all I'm saying. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Yankees offseason fantasy and show you Tani. Stick around. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Yeah, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball right now. Um, Maybe the second best to a guy who's also on his own roster is currently on the injured list. Uh, weird team, very bad team. Not sure how the pitching on a team could be so bad. I don't really know how the plan is that entering a season. They didn't expect Dylan Bundy to be as bad as he was. They certainly didn't expect Dylan Bundy to vomit on the mound at Yankee Stadium due to heat exhaustion, but they won that game anyway. So uh, egg on our faces. But Otani... It was a long road to get here, right? He, he came to the majors before 2018 as a hybrid pitcher batter, uh, ended up sort of, you know, battling blisters, getting Tommy John eventually really struggled last year, hit 190. Uh, it took three full major league seasons for, and he was great when he arrived. He hit 285 with 22 bombs, 61 ribs and a 151 OPS plus in 2018. But he wasn't quite the two way star we expected him to be. 2019 only down to a 119 OPS plus and was awful to play last year. And again, the Tommy John he's injured. He misses a lot of games. You're trying to figure out if he really can play both positions at the same time. Clearly they found a balance this year and that's great. We love it. It's good for the game of baseball. that Shohei Otani is good. The Yankees were the rumored favorites to sign him before 2018 until he came right out and said, actually, that's the one place I will not play. The Yankees pivot to Giancarlo Stanton, strange pivot, two guys who don't really do the same thing. Uh, one's much older. One eventually loses his mobility and can't play the outfield. If the Yankees had signed Shohei Otani, though, if he does go, the alternate reality says, I, I'm actually down to play in the big city. I'll, I'll run this team by myself. I'll play belong, alongside Aaron Judge. And he would have DH and he would have given Judge some time off his feet. Probably would have played some left field instead of Clint Frazier, Miguel and Duhar. Couldn't be worse than them, actually. Do Yankee fans have the patience for that kind of thing? I don't it's think one, so. It's the one indictment of Yankee fans. I don't think so either. No. It, 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 well, look at what we've dealt with. He came in what he came in, in 2017, right? Uh, uh, end of 2017 prior to the 2018 season. Yeah, and then look at what we dealt with from 2020, uh, 2018 until now. It's been endless injuries, so... Uh, it would have been one of those situations where you're like, oh, man, what can we get out of this guy? He's given us great spurts, and now we don't have him for the long haul or we don't have him for the playoffs or wh whatever it may have been. Fans would have gotten frustrated, not at him. 
They just would have gotten frustrated at the fact that nobody could stay healthy. Maybe things would have been, I don't know, maybe things, maybe he wouldn't have gotten injured if he came to New York. Who, kn- who knows? But this, <laughs> this is, yeah, sure. This is what happened. So we have to apply the same scenario to as if he were to have come here. Um, and it would have been, it would have been a grind because Otani, you didn't really know what you had in him until this year. I mean, you knew he was a good hitter. You know, he was certainly capable of pitching, but you, like you said, you didn't know if the longevity was there to do both, especially at the major league level. It's a much different game than it is in, in Japan. Um, so uh, I, I don't think he would, uh, he wouldn't have gotten booed. Fans wouldn't have been mad at him. It just would have been yet another situation where you're throwing your arms in the air and you're just being like, how, how is this happening again? We just, we signed uh, a two-way player who's the best player to ever come out of Japan. And now this is what we're dealing with. And maybe the pressure would have affected him differently. We all know that there's crickets in in L.A. or Anaheim. You know, it's not really a big deal. There's not back page tabloids. There's not things constantly criticizing the team or going in on these types of things. Look how many times uh, the Yankees have been questioned over the last, you know, three years with their training staff. The, the, The media goes into the training staff like no, no other not many other media outlets do that. So. Otani would have been dealing with the pressure of living up to a certain hype. He hasn't had that in uh, he hasn't had that in L.A. So the pressure factor, obviously, obviously, as we've seen the last couple of years, the pressure factor in New York is very much a real thing. And certain guys cannot deal with it. Would he have been able to handle it? I don't know. We, we, we'll never know because he's not here. But it, it, the factors would have been a lot different. And I don't know if we would be seeing what we're seeing right now. Uh, if he were on the Yankees, there definitely would have been an uncomfortable moment or two. There would have been a racist Phil Mushnick column. He would have summoned some racism for Japanese people, too, and done like a hmm, very interesting that Shohei needs an interpreter to tell me he's out for six weeks with an oblique injury. He couldn't have communicated that with his own yeah. words. Um, I mean, he definitely would have had some weird, strange columns when he was sort of disappearing for so long that were like and, you know, how many times do the Yankees give a guy big money and then some weird thing happens and he short circuits that, that you can't imagine would have ever happened in any other city? Garrett Cole with the spider tack being numero uno, like should have just been a, it, I still think Garrett Cole's a great pitcher. I'd pay him that money all day, every day, but you, you, you have this complication in the middle of the contract close to the front of the contract. Now Red Sox fans are chanting spider tack and he's bad at Fenway and all sorts of things that, you know, probably never should have had that you never, ever could have seen coming. Like nobody's going to close into the finish line of the cold deal when he's choosing between the angels and the Yankees and be like, um, next year in a year and a half, MLB might ban something that he's been using legally this entire time. Um, and same with Otani, it just things you never would have foreseen. I'm sure would have happened in the Bronx, but then things that did happen in LA also probably would have happened in the Bronx. I don't think, I think it's an indictment on Yankee fans. I don't think we would have been kind to him. No. I haven't uh, enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the fact that he shied away from the, the spotlight at Yankee Stadium either. I called him a coward. He he came uh, he came to play in 2018. I, I don't know why people are acting like this is his first time at Yankee Stadium. A sentiment that I have seen echoed a lot. It, it's absolutely not. I was there. I, I watched him. I booed him. He was he he was bad. Mm-hmm. He didn't pitch. This is his first time pitching at Yankee Stadium, but he was there early in 2018. There was a game where Glaber won it with a a rip into the right field corner, and it was like a two one or. 3-2 victory back when Glaber had a high exit velocities in 2018. Um, I, I don't know what his deal is like, but at that time it was like, we got Glaber. We don't need Shohei coward Otani. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we do need Shohei Otani. I think it would have been nice. Um, but I, I do think Yankee fans, you think they gave Gary Sanchez a tough time. Yeah. Gary Sanchez is making like $3 million all those years. Otani would have been making like 30 million. 
called the next Babe Ruth. The Mike Francesa tweets would have been insufferable. The tweets <laughs> from all corners of the fan base that were like, I felt like people gave Ottavino a hard time when he said he could strike out Babe Ruth. Like Otani is the next Babe Ruth. I believe they would have gone hard on him if they were like, he's only 19% better than league average. Interesting. I could have yeah. thought of some other ways the Yankees could use their money. Like people mapping out Michael Brantley purchases and things like that. Um, good for Otani. But yeah, I do not think we would have uh, had the, the same last couple years leading up to this one if he'd come here. And speaking of Michael Brantley and guys, the Yankees could have signed that they didn't. I just want to take a brief moment to talk through an offseason plan that would have worked. Yes. <laughs> That didn't work uh, because they decided not to do it. It's really not hard. I, I This is basically a message for the people saying the Yankees should have blown this roster up. I understand the frustration. No, they shouldn't have. Blowing a roster up sucks. They're going to have to have make some serious roster decisions this offseason for sure. Glaber Torres, what do you do with him? Do you trade him? Do you move him back to his natural position? You know, you got to sign a shortstop, and I don't think it could be Glaber Torres. Do you sell high on Gio Urshela, someone the Yankees probably aren't going to extend when his contract is up in two years? Do you sell high on Gary Sanchez? All of these are painful decisions, but they don't involve absolutely gutting the roster down to a 50-win level. That's ridiculous. Um, you're going to have to make some sales. You're going to have to sell people off. You're not going to have to tear the roster down to its parts. If the Yankees had not bungled every 50-50 ball they had gotten this offseason, trust us, this team would have been in a better place. And two or three moves stand out as so glaringly obvious. Brantley is something we can talk about till the cows come home. They were never going to spend the money on Michael Brantley. It would have made the team automatically way better. He leads Major League Baseball in average, or at least the American League. Would have been nice to have him on board, but they never would have ever done that. They clearly weren't thinking about that. But it comes down to this. It's this easy. Instead of doing Jamison Tyone, give the same package to the Padre, to the Pirates and add Clint Frazier coming off his career year in a 60-game season where he was benched for the playoffs anyway. Add Clint Frazier to the package. Clint, Rowanzi, Miguel Yahore for Joe Musgrove. Just do the Musgrove instead. Bring him in. He's got a low 2 ZRA, 100 Ks in 85 innings. Much better than Jameson Tyone. Do it. Just do it. Don't do Brett Gardner. Still do Adovino. Don't trade him the fucking Red Sox, you idiots. Trade him anywhere else. It's fine to trade him. A middle-tier reliever who you're not sure you can trust in October, making $9 million. Probably not a wise investment for anyone. The Yankees could certainly eat that investment, but they didn't want to. That's fine. Move him on, especially if you're not going to use him in October. Do O'Day. He's cheap. Don't do Wilson. Don't do Brett Gardner. Sorry. Do Kevin Pillar. Sign Kevin Pillar. Cost $5 million this year. Um, a much more interesting center field replacement who would probably be starting every day in Aaron Hicks's place right now. Not a lefty, but get your lefty outfield bat by replacing Frazier with Kyle Schwarber in left. Sorry. Even if you didn't have 20 homers in June, even if you didn't do this insane explosion at the last second, it's a dot everyone but Brian Cashman connected. And if he was really such a favorite of Cashman's forever, and if Cashman had always eyed him for the short porch, make the investment. Pay the money. And don't do Pilar, I guess, if you don't want Like, if if that's... If that's going to push you over the luxury tax edge, which it might have by a very slight amount, fine. Skimp on the backup outfielder. But I do believe you can afford Pilar maybe with a backloaded deal with a year two option. Same basic thing they did with Justin Wilson. Do the Musgrove trade, sign Schwarber. And you might even have enough wiggle room to sign Taiwan Walker, by the way, which I threw into the plan that I posited. Um, but even if you don't want to do that, even if you want to rely on, you know, Michael King, would still get a chance to fill in in that scenario. This team is so much better with Schwarber and Musgrove and Pilar. It's so easy. 
Yeah, it changes everything. I mean, I would disagree. I mean, I'm not going to disagree. Obviously, Musgrove is is the better option at this point, but I didn't want either of them. I didn't want Tyone or Musgrove. Tyone was yeah. coming off however many injuries, and Musgrove was the classic guy. Oh, this is a this is a breakout candidate. It's like I don't want a breakout candidate. I want a guy who can pitch. I want a guy who can solidify shit behind Garrett Cole. Uh, luckily, we had that in Corey Kluber for about a month. Now we don't have it anymore. Um, but it was it, it's the, it's the fancy Yankees moves. It's oh, we have to we have to be tactical and stri- uh, strategic with everything. And we have to make sure we're not giving up too much for player A. And we have to be paying the right amount for player B. Kyle Schwarber is the easiest one. We talked about that for months. Um, and the reason we talked about it was because the Yankees don't fucking care about how good the defense is. Look what they're doing now. Our outfield is Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar and Aaron Judge and Brett Gardner. They're putting Miguel Andujar is in left field. He, There's he a won. third baseman out there. Miguel Andujar is not better than Miguel Andujar no. in left field. Miguel Andujar, a third baseman, one has has taken starting reps away from Clint Frazier, who is a natural outfielder by, by trade. So the Yankees do not care about how effective defense is. They care more about offense. And the fact that they needed any and all and literally any lefty bat to change the complexion of the lineup. This is a righty heavy lineup in a in a ballpark where right field is the shortest uh, of uh, of any ballpark in in all of Major League Baseball. So I don't know why you wouldn't go after a guy who Kyle. Schwar- We've seen what Kyle Schwarber could do. Obviously, 2020 was another shitty season for everybody. He batted like 188 and had like a had like a 690 OPS or some bullshit. Bad. Of course that's going to happen. The Cubs were a toxic environment. There were trade rumors surrounding that team for however long. They're talking about breaking up the core. The Rickets don't want to spend money. They're investing all this money in in the marquee uh the marquee uh television network. So, it was not a good place to be for 2020 and on top of that, there were questions about the the fact that they were going to extend Schwarber anyway. And they didn't think he there, there were reports and rumors that suggested he wasn't worth it. Well, guess what, dude? This this guy is looking for a bounce back. What better place to bounce back than inside of a stacked Yankees lineup with a short porch in right field? And the fact that this went over everybody's heads or that they were putting all their eggs in Clint Frazier's basket when he had never played more than like 65 games in a season is just insane to me because Look, I, I was no one's expecting this from Kyle Schwarber, but you know he's probably good for 35 home runs, especially in in Yankee Stadium. We've seen what he could do. We've seen on the Cubs when he went through hot streak. He was the he was I, I would go as far to say he was the reason they won the World Series in 2016. If they didn't have his bat, yeah, uh, coming back after his knee injury, I don't know if they win that World Series. He was a spark plug for them in every situation imaginable that they could have needed. Um, so that that one angers me the most because you need a lefty bat. You don't care about defense in the outfield. You could still use some outfield depth. Um, and uh, Tywan Walker was was kind of an easy one too. He's he pitched in the division before. The Yankees had gotten a good look at him. They knew he had good stuff. He, had he really put it all together at any point? No. Um, but I mean, what's what's better at that point? It, it, someone who's gonna someone like Michael King who's gonna fill in who has never really been good as a starter. So. Uh, a number uh, and yeah, we could, you're right. We could talk about Brantley too. I'd love to pay Brantley, but you knew they weren't doing that. Nope. Um, just the fact that the, the, at least one or two of the obvious moves were not made. And then you have Cashman coming to speak to the media yesterday saying, Oh, well, you know, I don't really know how to improve this roster at this point. Uh, we have what we have, and this is not a coaching problem. This is a player's problem. Yeah, dude, it's a player's problem because the lineup is not balanced. The guy, the personalities that you have brought in are not suitable or, or ones that are conducive to handling New York and the constant pressure that comes with it. So yeah, I mean, the fault is on you and, and, and there's, 
we shouldn't be having these conversations where it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I know what to do, dude. Bench Glaber Torres, option Clint Frazier, and bring up Hoy Park and, and Trey Ambergy and just see what happens. That Obviously, that's not an ideal situation, but that's something else you could do because now you, you've put yourself in this hole. The, the, trotting out the same lineup that that does one good thing one night and then has five straight bad nights is not the answer. So there needs to be a shakeup. Somebody needs to learn a lesson. Like we just talked about earlier in this podcast about Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez was benched for the playoffs last year. He was told in the middle of April that he was losing playing time because he was not playing up to par and Kyle Higashioka was riding his tail. So it didn't even take, it, it, it didn't take long for the Yankees to not really give him a chance at the onset of 2021. And yet we're getting Clint Frazier's batting 186. Here we are. Glaber Torres has lost all of his power. And yeah, he got two hits last night, but he didn't look comfortable in the box for one second of those. He managed to get bad on ball, just like he did on that little streak that he had earlier in the year, uh, back in the beginning of May. He just happened to be poking at balls and they were going to all feet. He was hitting singles. Accidents happen. People do get hits at some point. So now Brian Cashman, because like he did not make these simple moves that would have altered the roster in some capacity or capitalized on a guy like Clint Clint Frazier's uh, somewhat uh, breakout season because he had never played that much before. Now he has to do something else. And, and he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs, acting as if there are no answers and there are answers. And it's there, there are other answers that aren't as appealing because you decided to not go with the obvious ones a couple months ago. Sorry, dude. I can't believe he didn't trade Clint Frazier at his peak. I, I can't, I can't believe, believe he didn't. Cause I would have rather had Talkman. It's a better defensive option, better base runner. Like that's the bench guy you need. A guy who's going to come in in the later innings, play lockdown defense and be, and be smart on the base paths. You don't need a slugger coming off the bench. Who's going to change the entire, you don't need all of those guys coming off the bench, changing the game. We love Clint Frazier. He got benched in the playoffs. He yeah. did. got benched. They used Brett Gardner over him. Yep. Like Bill Belichick would have traded Clint Frazier. That's, that's my, uh, <laughs> that's my like assessment of every move. It's like, would Bill Belichick have done it? Even if he didn't know baseball? Yes, he probably would have. Mm. Um, that is it. For this edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your damn podcast. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll answer that. Shohei Otani takes to the mound Wednesday night. This has been very unpleasant to watch still. Good for the Yankees for winning last night, but eh, I don't know. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us on YanksGoYard.com. All the content there for you, and you can talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're there all day, more specifically for game times. That's when we're really tuned in. Guys, got to go eight and three in these final 11 games. That's all I'm going to say. That's the breathing room they need. They need less and less controversy heading into the All-Star break. That's what we're going to shoot for. Keep that number in mind. Keep the good vibes going. We'll talk to you on Pizza Friday next. Ooh, baby, Pizza Friday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.